everyone, this is RJ. I just wanted to talk a little bit before you watch this episode of The Popsicle. I wanted to talk really quickly. Um, I'm recording this in the morning after the very gruesome, hateful attack to uh, six Asian women in massage parlors in Georgia. Being Asian and being Asian American, you'll see from this video, is a very important part of my identity. It's a very big part of my life. You know, assimilating to America when I was 13 was very hard and very difficult. And to this day, I, a lot of things that I carry with me, all the baggage that I carry with me, come from that experience. It's not easy. It's not something people necessarily want to do sometimes, but are forced to because of their situations. And I think the hate that has come from, you know, the... COVID-19 pandemic and the blatant racism that's come from different people to blame Asians and Asian Americans for a pandemic has been really brutal and hard to watch. I want to put forward um, the people that are doing work towards anti-Asian violence. So I will be posting some resources on this episode so that you can click and, and see how you can educate yourself. If you feel the need to donate or petition, uh, please do so. I have so much love for my culture and to see it basically attacked and dismantled in a country where we are supposed to be all free. I do wanna shout out the National Asian Pacific American Women's Forum. Um, that is a organization that's working to empower AAPI women and girls um, in the country so that they have full agency over their lives, their families, and their community. Um, and if you feel so inclined to take action, be part of their organization, donate or or see what um, upcoming events or petitions or, or um, other forms of activism they have planned, definitely um, suggest visiting their site and looking through their social media and showing your support. All right, on to the show. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of The Popsicle, a sweet new show where our guests and I lap up what's new in pop culture. My name is RJ from RJ's Food Rocks and today we have a very, very special guest for a very special episode. Um, from the Ampliverse, yes, we kept it in the family for this episode. From the Ampliverse, he is the host of Frankly Frankie, the podcast. It is the Boba Boy Wonder himself, Frankie. Hi, Frankie. Hello. How's everyone doing? On today's episode of The Popsicle, we will be unwrapping the latest Disney film, Raya and the Last Dragon. So if you are... Um, we're, we're going to be talking spoilers, so make sure you watch this movie first if you care about knowing what happens before we talk about it. But here is your TCDE, Too Cold, Didn't Eat. Raya, a warrior princess, must find the fabled last dragon in order to save her divided homeworld from a ravenous plague. Hmm, sounds familiar? Throughout her journey, Raya traverses the various kingdoms of Kumandra with an eccentric band of misfits by her side. All the while, they must evade the clutches of Raya's longtime nemesis, Namari. So the setting of Raya and the Last Dragon takes inspiration from Southeast Asian cultures and regions. The titular dragon, Sisu, is modeled after the Naga, which is a mythical serpentine um, creature. 
in Southeast Asia. And to respectfully pay tribute to the region, the studio actually established a South Asian, Southeast Asian Story Trust, um, which was a coalition of specialists in various fields, including anthropology, linguistics, botany, choreography, martial arts, etc. Um, and there was actually a, a Facebook uh, post that Frankie and I um, both shared, but it, it just shows the different um, things in real Southeast Asian culture that was uh, inspiration for a lot of the things that they used in the movie, such as the name of Tuk Tuk. Um, Raya's like companion is the name of a transportation that's used in Southeast Asia. It's like a little um, little motorcycle with a carriage next to it. Um, Salakot, which is the Filipino headgear. They use uh, Southeast Asian martial arts such as Penchak Silat and Arnis, which funny story. I actually uh, did a PE class in the Philippines when I was little. Uh, the Chris, which is the wavy blade from Indonesia that, um, that uh, Raya has. Um, the city of Tallinn is a giant floating market, which is very signature of Southeast Asia. Um, Ampawa is the is the one of the famous ones. Um, the Dragon River is also very, um, very much a, a reference to the Mekong River, which goes through a lot of Southeast Asian countries. And the uh, city of Fang, the main uh, palace. Um, and the way that the city is set up um, really draws references from Angkor Wat in Com Cambodia. So a lot of really juicy Southeast Asian culture in Raya, um, but we are here to talk about the movie in general. So let's get into it. Um, let's we'll start with the sweet, like any good popsicle. We love how sweet they are. So we're going to start with what we loved about this movie. And I mean, I think the the intro really sold the whole thing, at least for me. And I know for Frankie too, but it's just that it's just so juicy of how Southeast Asian this movie is. I wrote down that like, it really doesn't just mean the references and where we are, but it truly is like the shades of skin. Everyone is a different shade of brown in this movie. Everyone's eye shapes is diff are different. And there's so much like richness and character. Uh, there's so much richness in how... Um, how diverse it is in that group, even if it's just kind of like a smaller section of Asia, it has its own world. And I'm so glad that this movie kind of like really just sat down in the middle of it. The noses, the eyes, the different shades of brown was really interesting. I also love how like now I can look at a character and be like, that's what my hair looks like CGI. Oh, didn't really yeah. couldn't find a character. That I can like look at my hair in like an animated format. And I was like, oh, okay. So like Boone's hair, for example, is, you know, one example of how I used to style my hair. And now looking at it, I can see the individual strands. I can see how it's propped up in a CGI format. And that that's something I can't get in any other movie. There's no other, you know, 3D animated movie in, at least in the Disney universe, where I can be like, oh. That's what my hair looks like. Oh, that's what my skin looks like. Oh, that's what my eyes and nose look like on various different characters. As you know, all Frozen and all these other uh, movies that came out in the recent years all have very similar characteristics to one another. Now, the other movie we have is Moana, which is like our first big showcase of brown skin. Now, in that movie, majority of them were all like the same shade of brown. Versus Ryan the Last Dragon, we all have diff 
different shades of brown. Like, you know, there's thing of light-skinned Filipino and dark-skinned Filipino, and that's just one country. And then you go and look at all the other Southeast Asian countries. If we're going to talk about Boone, Boone was one of my favorite characters. He was this little Viet pop idol. He had this like little, <laughs> I really resonated with him because I was like, wow, a, a character that cooks that not only loves to like feed people, but also entertain. Hmm. Sounds super familiar. I was like, wow, I am Boone. I love Boone. Love being a ham. Love dancing. His like pop locks and drops were so cute. I was such I was in love with Boone. <laughs> I didn't realize I like didn't expect it at all. <laughs> right. When you see the trailer, you're like, oh, okay, whatever, just like a kid, but like the the kid had so much to give in the movie. Like his willingness to like show that he's afraid and he wants his family to come back together. And he showed that vulnerability in the movie. You know, and Sisu really caught on to that, whereas Riot didn't, which is also great because you get to see the main character being kind of like a jerk because she's also filled with emotions and she's filled with like feelings and just a lot of resent and hate. And Sisu, it's like, okay, but there's this helpless kid well not really helpless but there's this kid who we can use for our adventure because you know boone had a boat again raya was just like mm, maybe but he's just like but come on and you know so in the end boone really did help you know transport everyone to where they needed to be but also kept them fed and you know give them little tidbits of information of like the other countries in Kumandra. Yeah, and that's what I really liked about just the dynamic of Raya had with the rest of his group, with with the rest of her group, is that it was such a ragtag group. And like we've gotten ragtag groups before in, in Disney movies, but I feel like we have never seen ragtag as ragtag in Raya. I mean, let's, I, there was a baby, this baby, there was a baby running around and literally being like the spy of the group or like the sneak or like, you know, like if this was a DND character, the baby was the rogue and I was obsessed. I was like, why? And it was just so funny. I was like, the entire time the movie kept happening, I was like, wow, the baby is just scaling walls and like distracting guardsmen. Like this baby... I was I was shook. I was so shook. And like the whole makeup of this group was so fun. You did have Sisu and Raya's like dynamic of like Raya being a really un untrusting um leader and that became like her arc essentially, but like it was Sisu's kind of like heart that tried to keep this group together because Sisu did see that everyone had something unique to offer. And I thought it was great. I just oh my god. I was I felt so just like warm and i loved being in that group dynamic so much yeah speaking of the baby i i loved how the baby was basically like a little mini mafia boss you know yeah with a little ongis at her side and just like being like do this do that without no words this baby had no words and you know communicating with hand signals and grunting noises and you're just over here like again scaling the palaces and stuff and distracting the guards and taking food along the way which is 
you know, it's such a such a baby thing to do, but it was just funny to see in action. And what the baby reminds me of, I don't know if you've ever saw this really bad dubbed movie called Kung Pao, The Flying Fist or something like that. It's oh a really, God, really no. old Chinese martial arts movie, but it was, it was ridiculous. It was like a white guy, the main character, but he was like a Kung Fu artist. And when he was a baby, it's kind of like how Hercules was like a super strong baby. Mm-hmm. This baby just kicking butt because they were trying to kidnap him. I like that. That's what I saw in that baby in Ryan the Last Dragon. It was just this baby kicking butt because just some superficial martial arts power into it. I mean, let's talk about the martial arts. The martial arts was so good in this movie. I I have never seen fighting this crisp and clear and like really like detailed, I feel like, in any Disney movie. Like this really tops, I feel like, out of all of the like hero movies or like warrior movies, this really tops the chart, I feel like. The fighting sequences were so good. Recall any other Disney movies that really had any fighting sequence. Like Yeah. Like real fighting, like more than ten seconds of fighting. Right. Like this was like here's some Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee fighting up in here in a CGI film. It's so good. I and mean, like it was beautiful. The whole like intricacies of like fighting with the Arnis also was very interesting, obviously, but also just like the hand to hand, like the Muay Thai, like the fighting that literally like without weapons, like. Namari and Raya just like fighting. I was like, oh my God. It was just, you wanted to watch it, but also you felt bad for them. You're like, don't fight, work together. <laughs> it was just so good. Now, now speaking of Raya and Namari, I know I might be a little off topic here, but you feel the queer energy in that movie. <laughs> During the movie, I, I like looked at Adam when Namari would come up and I was like, Namari is a stud and I don't know what is going on. Like this is real, real energy coming off of Namari's design right now. And like, I know that, um, I know that Kelly Marie Tran came out and was like, if there is something that you feel between them, if you feel some sort of representation, absolutely take it. That's why it's there. Like you can create and pull what you find strength from these characters. But yeah, the Namari and Raya, not only like the story is so complicated because they could have been friends, but because they were, you know, Namari was kind of like driven more into like, yeah, it's they just have it's so complicated, but makes it so good to watch because you just want to like watch them develop their friendship. And who knows if it could get queer up in here? I'm into it. <laughs> okay, but can we talk about how the nickname Princess Undercut is canon? It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, it gives off very, very queer energy, but it's like. It's just not like a, it's not even, uh, not not anything sexual. It was just very like, you know, they're not straight. <laughs> like, that's just what it is. It's just like, you know, none of these characters are straight. Like, they're, they're not like your stereotypical, you know, uh, animated Disney characters. You know, they just have this energy and vibe to them that's not, straight i don't know i don't know how else to explain it but what else i like about it is how like it's normalizing it because you know like when people i guess feel like straight energy queer energy and things like that 
and or they identify in some way because of some sort of mainstream media or you know film that they saw just kind of like normalizes that kind of feeling for people to well yeah questioning it mm-hmm. but in a more healthier manner but like now we have this kind of movie and it again none of this is harmful for anybody but this gives those who have those kind of feelings as a younger person be able to, a chance to explore that in a more healthy manner. Yeah, no, I agree. It's like, it doesn't have to be about the movie. Isn't about like them trying to like find romance. Like they can just f- pull like, Oh, I like it because they're strong. I, I see myself in Namari because she's really driven and you know, like it doesn't have to be like, but what does that mean? What does that mean? in in like how I identify myself, it's just like, that's just, they're just strong women and that's just what i want to be right and again being person of color at least in the southeast asian community you don't see a lot of representation you don't see a lot of normalization when it comes to uh friendship relationships family issues and you know what society sees around you because what happened with raya and you know her dad being turned into stone and she went 100% the other way in terms of trying to figure out how to get him back to normal, but he, she wasn't trusting anybody, which is the opposite of what he wanted. It's great to see that. And I was actually reading an article earlier about how a lot of the scenes um, they that they didn't like have finished animated yet, they redid because Kelly Marie Tran just um, had them let her like go off script oh that's awesome like like how um like how josh gad does olaf like he kind of went off script a few times and then they kind of like animate that afterwards so i think it was one of the scenes in terms of seeing raya's anger i think it was like later on in the movie when you know she's fighting namari and she's pretty upset and you know she really does have to trust namari to do the right thing when you know they get all the, the dragon gem a lot of that part in the movie based off what Kelly Kelly Marie Tran wanted to portray in Raya's emotions because Mm -hmm. she wanted Raya to have that you know justifiable anger but that anger could also go one or two ways that was like what drew me into the movie a lot was that like you were watching Raya basically struck with grief acting the way that someone would act like very justifiable in like her grief and like yes I could totally see you making that those decisions and i think that like i i liked it in the movie they showed that side of it because i think in some other like quote unquote like animated movies or like children's movies they get to that point but they don't actually make those decisions they go all the way back but here it's like no we want you to see the consequences we want you to see that when raya fully just like goes crazy and like doesn't trust anyone this is what could happen like she's missing the bigger picture like you saw a little bit of that back in big hero six with hero when he decided to have baymax in overdrive and wanted to you know to murder professor callahan and everyone was like no that's not what you do i know your brother died but that's not what you do in ryan the last dragon it's raya herself solidifying because she saw the consequence of her own action right in front of her from an enemy that she made due to, again, a lot of misunderstandings. 
but yeah. obviously no one knows until like the very end. With how my show goes, usually like we talk about what's sweet, but we also talk about what's sticky, like in a popsicle when the ice cream starts to melt. The popsicle gets a little sticky. So let's talk about the sticky. I actually had a really hard time thinking about what I didn't like about the movie. I'm going to be really honest. Um, But there were a couple of stuff that I was like, I'm curious what other people thought, like if other people liked it um, or if they thought that it like threw them off. So like in the beginning, there's a lot of like um, structure that they play around with the format in the beginning and throughout the movie was very presentational. Like there would show like the car, the title cards of like where we are now. And like Raya would be doing a lot of um, direct address and talking directly to the people that are watching. So there was a lot of that like mixed in. Um, I'm not sure like what you thought of that, but I actually really, <laughs> I actually really liked it because it felt very like very avatar last airbender, very like I'm just watching an epic adventure happen. That's like that girl I was gonna say about the way like the like how they did the intro and stuff. I was like, oh, it, it reminds me of like Avatar. <laughs> Breaks it down really easily, but it gives you enough information, and that way you can learn more throughout the movie as it progresses. But then you know you remember really, like, oh yeah, that's the city. That's like you know the floating market. Oh, you know that's the city Namari is from. You know or that country. And I like the way they presented the, each country, each region with the words and, you know, where it is, you know, what's it going on with. In terms of, like, things I didn't like about the movie, seems to remind me of Elsa way too much. Yes, didn't Sisu's face look like it was, like, one of those... What do I look to if I you put together like two faces like a morph? Yeah, a morph. Truly, it was as if Sisu the dragon was trying to anamorph into the animation of Elsa, and she got stuck in the middle. Yeah, it truly felt like they couldn't do. It felt like they couldn't do their typical Disney face that we saw in like Rapunzel and Anna and Elsa. But they were like, oh, put it on the dragon, right? And it makes it for awkward, like products because i'm just like mm. like i've seen the dragon plush in stores but i'm like the eyes and you know the head is just already so enormous compared to like a very slender body that it is i know i think the dragon's heads are too big i'm gonna say it it looks a little spermy it looks a little tadpole i'm like what this is so weird <laughs> the head is so big like i get it she's also a main character but like toned out in the head just a little bit. Like just squinch in the eyes just a little bit more. Squint just you know, just like drag the corner and just like boop. And just like <laughs> just like just a little bit. Yeah. That was my biggest thing. The dragons, how the dragons were designed. I was like literally big head, like slivered body. I was like, oh my god, this is so weird to look at. <laughs> this movie, I would say, is pretty timely because I did not expect a plague was happening in this movie that was slowly turning people into stone, essentially quote unquote, not really killing them because they're just turning into stone statues, but they're, you know, they're, they are not living. And I was like, wow, I did not, I don't know if they planned this out. I don't know if this was just like a happy coincidence that this was the big evil of the movie, but like, it was like, wow, it's so timely. And like, it's really just like removing people like left and right. You don't know. So that's kind of why you get that ragtag group. Like 
an entire like nation was gone except for one man. I was like, oh my God, this is so timely. I don't know if this is reading as like people like want to see this so that way they can like deal with what's going on with, with COVID right now too. But the entire time I was like, wow, this is so real. Can we talk about how almost the entirety of this movie was made at home? Oh, that's a good point. Like a lot of the work of the animation, the special effects and all that stuff was made in-house, like at people's homes. There's something in the animation that just makes it feel like, wow, these people are going through what we're going through literally right now. That's crazy. The the Black Plague, it also reminds me of, you know, the evil spirit that happens in Legend of Korra. So, which is why, you know, I was getting such very Avatar vibes. It's, it's mm-hmm. not because, you know... It's Avatar Last Airbender, Legend of Korra, because, you know, brown hair, uh, you know, brown skin. It's more like that's how much research Avatar has put into their work, because, again, it's a very common thing in Southeast Asian culture stories. And no matter what country you're in, you're going to feel some sort of story that has to do with the Black Plague or some variants Mm -hmm. of Namari and Rai has very Kim and Shigo vibes. I know they really were trying to give us what they want. I fully believe Kelly Marie Tran was like, just give it to them. Just tell, just tell, just tell people. And you could tell someone in the board meeting was like, no, we can't, we can't do this yet. This isn't the time or place, but I did feel like this could have been it. This could have been the movie. (laughs) It's like how, when, you know, the parks decide to release rainbow merchandise in the middle of summer. Hmm. What could it mean? So, you know, it's just one of those things where, like, here, here's some, you know, wiggle room. Just legally can't say anything about it. To wrap up Raya and the Last Dragon, I will say that this movie is such an action-filled movie. It's got this beautiful, like, adventure um, energy where you're discovering a new world, like, with the audience. And it's such a fun like thrilling movie. It was, it was so fast paced and like you were never really bored because there was always something that was happening. And I think the biggest takeaway was that, you know, growing up in the Philippines, like we take myths and legends so seriously. Like we are so like to this day, I still say tabi tabi po when I walk by a a big old tree because I don't want to step on any, you know, any spirits that are sitting nearby. Like we just, have such a respect for like the lore and the magic and the myth, like the mythical energy of Southeast Asia that I think like this movie really captured that so well. Same. I learned a lot about the different cultures from Southeast Asia and how similar they are to the culture, you know, that my parents grew up in. So when this episode drops of the popsicle, tomorrow's episode of RJ's Food Rocks will be shrimp kanji. I make the I make Boone's shrimp kanji. So make sure everyone tune into that. I don't think I've ever had proper kanji. Growing up, I I only had like Chinese kanji like for breakfast. Like um when I went when I visited China, you would like you know like scoop a bowl for yourself and then pick your little toppings if you want like green onions if you want like shrimp like different things but it's really easy to make so 
You you can make it, Frankie. I guarantee Send it. Send me the recipe. I'll do it. I got sweet rice back there. Well, thank you everyone for joining us in this episode of The Popsicle. If you are watching on YouTube, go ahead and comment below and let us know what you think about Raya and the Last Dragon. If you're listening to us on the podcast, make sure you leave us a rating or review. Tell me what you think of the show and what you'd like to hear more in the future. Um, every fifth episode, we do a book review. So... Um, our next book episode will be a fa love story. Um, the episode details uh, will have a link where you can buy your own copy. Frankie, thank you so much for joining me today. Do you have any plugs that you want to share on the episode? Where can people find uh, you? Yeah, so Frankly Frankie, the podcast is on anywhere you can find a podcast. And my Instagram is Frankie the Shorty. Frankie with a Y, not with an IE. You can find me at RJ Food Rocks on all of your social media. And my YouTube channel, RJ Food Rocks, produces a new video every week. And The Popsicle is the part of the Ampliverse. So you can find all of our shows on the Ampliverse YouTube channel right here or at theampliverse.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been The Popsicle. We'll see you next week with another episode. Bye. The Ampliverse.